Hi, and welcome to Navigating Real Estate, where we discuss skills, strategies, and success mindset that you need today to become a top producing real estate broker. Today, we are talking about buyer's fatigue, how to diagnose it, how to cure it, with our very special guest, Chris Scott. Legend, let's get started. Chris Scott is a highly experienced real estate broker based in Bend, Oregon. With seven years of local residential experience, Chris's clients at Remax Key Properties appreciate his attention to detail and commitment to their needs and desires when purchasing a home. Not only is Chris passionate about real estate, he brings a unique blend of business operations and sales experience to his profession. With a keen understanding that individuals have specific goals in mind for their real estate investments. Chris provides exceptional guidance and assistance to his clients in order to ensure a very positive experience. There you go. Wow. Welcome, Chris. I, I just want you to know I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you I for think, that intro. Wow. I think that we're going to be able to put like four hours of content in like <laughs> eight minutes. It's going to be, it's going to be fabulous. For those of you that don't know, Chris, you know, there's nobody who has more exuberance, more passion, more um, get up and go than, than Chris. And so it's fabulous to have you here. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to talk about what we're going to talk about um, and really just share my energy and see how we can help people. So buyer's fatigue. Buyer's fatigue is real. It Tell, is definitely real. Talk to me, Goose. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, you know, I, so so obviously let's talk about where that comes from. Um, most of the time, 90% of the time, it's going to come from an inventory issue. Right, you're going to get buyer's fatigue when um, there's a lot of competition out there, right? And we've seen that over the last two and a half years, without a doubt, right? And so, uh, you know, some of the key signs to look for is, you know, early on, especially with new, you know, let me take a step back. Investors versus new home buyers versus a transitional home purchase all of these individuals can be hit with buyer fatigue, right? And and when the when all those individuals are out there looking for property for their own various reasons, they're all still competing at the same time, right? And over the last two and a half years, we've all been doing it during a pandemic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um so so obviously at 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 each individual and whatever their purpose is, they have different modes, different means, different reasons for why they're purchasing or looking to purchase versus so let's take an investor for, for for that instance they have definitely a different mode and and they're going to be looking to get the best deal the best price most likely with cash which takes away the lending aspects um and that's obviously going to affect your individuals who are looking to transition their primary residence and it's extremely going to hit the first time home buyers in, in a way that may seem unfair and again, I think that's where you start to see the buyer fatigue. Yeah, you see that competition level, um, and, and you can start to see it wear on individuals. The investor may just bow out and say, "Hey, we'll check back in in six months when the when the environment is right." That's easy for them. But again, it goes back to that primary primary home, and um, especially those first time home buyers. Man, like through the course of the pandemic, it was just it was brutal. It was incredible to you know, come into the office on Monday and download with, you know, brokers after their weekend, like, you know, what, you know, like, well, I went out, I wrote six offers for this, 
this buyer and we didn't get a single one. Right. You know, the reality is, is in uh, in, in a normal, let's whatever a normal market is, you know, most brokers don't write six deals in a month, right. let alone a weekend. Right. Exactly. And then, then to not even get one, you know? And so I think it's just, it's incredible. And, 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 you know, one of the things in there that's, you know, kind of compounding is the amount of paperwork. And I think that's a great point. And, and buyer's fatigue is, is not, and as a realtor, you have to really watch buyer's fatigue is real on, it can be real for the realtors as well. For the point that you just brought up, if you're out looking at a first time home buyer that's in the, let's call it the medium price range for your local area during a pandemic or during when there's extremely low inventory, it's gotten a little bit better, but during those times, extremely low, um, you'll start to see signs of from your buyers, right? And you have to watch yourself. You just mentioned writing six offers for one buyer and not getting one. Mentally, for any human, you have to watch and promote, you know, promote yourself up a little bit to say, this is part of the process. Yeah. Do we feel good about this one? Keep it going. And the reason why I bring that up is, is let's talk about some of those signs from the from the buyers cool. that you might start to look at is the buyers looking at you an agent. If they've praise, praise, praise all the right people. If they've gotten a realtor or working with a realtor, they're looking to you for that, that confidence, that professionalism, that professionalism, yeah. that don't get tired of writing six offers. How many times have you as an agent working with buyers for any of the smallest reasons? Hey, Ryan, I'm sorry to bother you. Hey, Ryan, I'm sorry to ask for this. Hey, Ryan, I'm sorry for this. We get a lot of, Hey, I'm sorry to bother you from 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 clients, right? Or whether it be buyers and sellers. And so you really have to just promote the fact that this is normal, especially during this time, and have that confidence so they don't feel like you're getting tired of writing six offers for one. Yeah. You know, for six different properties, not getting anything. They're already going to start to feel that dejection, right? That is this worth it? Should we do this? And if they pick up on your body language or a pushback from you on some reason that is outside of the parameters that you've already set as you, have you, as you started this, if they, if you start to push back and, and change those little bits, you, yeah. you watch your buyers, they're going to notice those things. Yeah. Right. So some of the other basic, you know, signs that we're talking about is, um, body language and, and physical verbal comments to you while you're out looking at properties, right, man, this seems perfect, but we'll probably get beat out by five other people right? Those type of verbal statements, walking in and, and feeling this excitement of kind of looking and seeing that it matches your criteria. And then again, being kind of dejected when it comes to the talk of presenting an offer yeah. or going after it. Yeah, Those are definitely key signs that are very visible and, and audible. Some other ones are um, disconnection, right? You're reaching out, you're sending them property day after day after day, and you're not getting any response back from them. Right. Maybe they've decided, well, that one will be gone in, in two days. I'm not even gonna look at it right now. Maybe a shift in the cadence of the communication. I, I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's a big sign of that. Yeah. Um so again, you just you really have to promote the fact that where we've been, what what we're looking at now, and then what the future holds. I again it's it's communication. You nailed it. Um let me see what else do we have here. 
How about some so so I think we we've identified right the the signs the signs yep as an as a broker uh, what are some strategies that you can employ to keep your buyers engaged in that tough marketplace because I think there's a, an, an acceptance of fatigue we all right. get it right? right so how do we set expectations how do we execute what are some of the strategies that we can employ as brokers to help keep our clients sharp and in the game yeah i think number one is having that buyer team right i i talked about this um maybe in a couple social posts um we wrote an article about it as well uh, once an individual whether that be that transitional house or a first-time home buyer Every individual should be working with a realtor. It's not, I'm not saying that because we're realtors. I'm saying that because it's your best opportunity to be successful in your home purchase, period. With that, you need your entire team to be communicating. If you're going to require a loan, get with your lender. If you have a CPA and a financial advisor, get that team member on board as well. Your realtor's on board and you're on board. And anybody else, if this is an investment property, let's get a property management company involved as well to identify what we're looking to do, what our goals are, what those criterias are. Let's get that plan together. It's the number one step. Let's get your buyer team together. Let's set our criteria. Let's set our goals and let's stick to them. Number one plan, right? And then you just maintain constant communication along the process, whether that be new listings that are coming up, current pendings that have gone, looking at closings that have happened and providing that detailed information to those buyers so you can show them that trend of what's happening at the price points. And again, give them some of that confidence that inventory has come up, purchase prices have come down a little bit. Now let's deal with the elephant in the room, i.e. rates. I I really love what you said about the criteria and sticking to it. Got to. You know, it's so quickly, it just becomes a goose chase of like a crow <laughs> chasing shiny objects. Right. Right. Like, ooh, 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 you know, and having to kind of um, have an understanding that, yes, criteria, what we do know to be true is criteria shifts throughout the, the search. Sure. Very rarely is it, I want this, and they end up with, I want X, and they end up with X. Correct. We do know that you know oftentimes buyers say, I want X, and then we get into the process and we end up with Y. But you know, also having some, uh, having you know, kind of a um, a controlled shift, so we're not just all over the board. Yeah, I think I think a controlled criteria shift is is obviously needed. It happens constantly for any type of home purchase. You know, I think you need to identify what your base criteria is that are unchangeable, mm-hmm. right? I need to have three bedrooms and two and a half bath because of this. I need to have X, Y, and Z. Now, maybe some of your finishes adjust a little bit. Maybe your location of your yeah. certain area yeah. changes a little bit. Stick to that must-have criteria. Criteria, And again, that should be yeah, the base. the base. And then be flexible on the other items that or give and take items that could help you find that home. And you can make those changes down the line yeah. to your specifications. Yeah. So again, I think, I think that's the big driving factor is getting that base group together. And then again, you start providing them with, here's where the rates are today. And here's what we're hearing. Here's an article you can read about what the future looks like on rates for the remaining of the year, um, how we can 
you know, utilize some other plans, um, some other steps to get you into the home that you want. Mm -hmm. Or if said, so let me revert back to those rates, new baseline. That's the new communication, right? Yeah. The big elephant in the room for, for buyers at any level is, boy, I looked at three and a half percent and under for two years. So we as realtors need to be out there really communicating in a sensible, responsible way that that the new baseline on rates most likely are going to be around five and a half. Yeah, who knows, right? Who knows, yeah. right? It, it's, it's even not scary to throw that out, but it's not going to be three and a half. Yeah. So again, that goes back to setting those adjustments, setting those criteria, setting those realistic expectations in the beginning with your team, with your buyer's team, to if rates are here, here's our price point that we can go out and look for. Now, how does that price point match up with the base criteria that we need? And let's go out and you know execute yeah. execute a plan now. I think you know the you. I like how you talked about rates and um, you know rates are the thing that we don't control. Not at right. All. And no. so <laughs> so the reality is is today we don't have an interest rate problem, and and the media is really quick to be like, oh, rates are the problem. Right now, the the reality is is we have a pricing problem. Correct. We have a pricing problem. Right. You can't have rates go from three and a half to seven or six or whatever it is, double and maintain same value. You just can't. Absolutely. And so now it's a process of the people who are sellers, owners that need to need to transact. It's a pricing issue. Right. Cause the, cause the rates are what they are. Yeah. And it, it, great point. I will add to that to say that with the rates being where they're at, you look for the inventory factor, that's going to be affected this coming summer, spring, summer, as we get into the peak season is those individuals that had those three, three and a half percent rates. Maybe they hate their house. We've, we've heard some of this conversation yeah. during the pandemic. I bought my house. I don't really like it. This, my bedroom's too small. I can't stand the location. Buyer's worse, <laughs> but my rate is three and a half percent. That's a big, but yeah. my house is three and a half percent. So while you have those transition transitionary people looking to get a new primary, it's got to be pretty special if they're going to give up a three and a half percent rate to maybe get a five and a half or 6% rate or whatever it may currently be. That's going to hurt us in inventory. Yeah. So, so again, while inventory has creeped up a little bit here in central Oregon, I think we're at two and a half, two and a quarter, two and three quarters of inventory left. That's fine for the winter time. And, And when the holidays are here, as we start to thaw out and we get into February to March and April and we get into that peak looking season, we're going to be hit with another inventory issue. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that inventory today is, um, it's stale, right? I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that is just sitting, right? You know, and, and the old adage of, if you're priced right, your location's right, you're ready to go on. Yeah. You're going to get a transaction, but the reality is, is on new year's day, there's 175 expireds, right? Which we haven't seen in a very long time, right? So that means that you know stuff's not priced right, and right. and people, I think we can all agree that it takes time for people to come to an understanding that their things are not worth what they're worth. Correct. We all think that our cars are worth more than they're worth, our houses are worth, you know, all of our right. material possessions, and so one of the things that we saw in 2008 was. And not to make a 2008 comparison. Oh, yeah. But, you know, 
trying to catch the falling knife on the pricing. One of the things that the home builders have done in Central Oregon, I think really well in this market shift is we've seen quick and large price cuts to move inventory. Right. You know, very, very swift, $100,000, $50,000. You know, they are not, several of the builders, they are making moves to move inventory. And it's not like, well, they're going to do, we're right. going to give away some washers and dryers, or we're going to do a $5,000 buyer bonus for using our preferred lender, right? Like, you know, there's a very clear path out of this if you're a seller and you have to sell and it it's, it's price. Right. So, and, and, 100%. you know, um, what are some of the long-term trends that you're seeing in, in our marketplace? Um, I don't know if you can really count for me personally. I don't know that long-term trends right now are really relevant, relevant. Um, you know, we this just is brought, my podcast. Well, it's fine. That it's I'll your podcast, but we're, we're here, we're here no, to I'm discuss reality. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. No. And, and, and all joking aside is, is long-term trend is, is to pick up on what you just said, right? You have individuals that believe their home is priced a certain way and to sell it, they want and expect X, Right. Again, it goes back to those rates, whatever rate they're sitting on. They saw their neighbor in July sell for this price. Why should six months later, my house is just as good, yeah. right? So it's getting that it's conversation, it's communication with sellers, with buyers, with the industry as a whole to get the baseline back down to where it needs to be. Yeah, there are some homes out there, um, specifically, I think we've seen specifically with the higher end homes where it's a price point, they're going to set the price point and they're going to let it sit um, and and just get what they demand versus um, maybe some of the median level or below median level homes. Those homes probably need to be more spot on in pricing based upon what you're getting, i.e. finishes, location, any updates, et cetera. Those need to be a little bit more pinpointed for them to actually get a transaction to go through. Would you say that's just primarily because they're so interest rate sensitive? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, we all know that a certain portion of our sphere of buyers, you know, within that median price point, affordable housing, et cetera, they're going to be more um, demanding of, you know, the interest rates to fit their needs versus the higher end homes, properties that may be second homes or maybe a purchase from, let's say California or another high end industry area where they're going to come in with enough cash to then offset a rate. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's very, that that's maybe I, the takeaway is the long term of the higher end market being able to maybe sit a little bit longer at their price point they're demanding versus that entry level medium price point, mm -hmm. depending on how those sellers need to need to vacate that home, whether or not they're pricing correctly or not. But to your point, I think they will continue to sit there if they're not right. priced correctly. Right. What that does for our buyers, though, that have that fatigue, it's going to give them longer and more opportunities to look at properties, Yeah. right? Not make those rash decisions that we talked about person A that doesn't like the bathroom or thinks their bedroom's too small, but doesn't want to move at three and a half percent, but they bought during the rush. Right. Because there was a, you know, so much competition. I think one of the things that, um, we're going to see here too, is that we're going to, there is no move up, move up property right now. You know, our, our entry level is, was let's call it six fifty, 
now it's coming down. We're seeing some price correction there, but effectively that like that middle move up market went away. It, it, it evaporated. Right. And so as we see things um, correct a little bit with rates and inventory, you know, I think we're going to see some, you know, entry level is going to come down. We're going to see some of that stuff. That's nine, eight fifty nine. probably slide into that high sevens, low eight. You know, we're going to, we're going to see some, I think we're going to see a shift in some product pricing as well. And I think that's categories. a conversation to have again with these buyers we're talking about is we will see some of those higher level premium purchase purchases that were done during the pandemic come back down to what we're describing as that new baseline for Bend or for Central Oregon. And, and if we can have those conversations with these buyers that have felt discouraged and have the fatigue, patience and communication right now is the key. Yeah. But with the same aspect, so so just real quick, when we were talking about buyer fatigue, you know, what are some of the things to step back from? You know, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, let's take a week off. Yeah. I'm going to send you properties. I want you to look at the properties I send you online. Heck, you can even do a drive-by if you want to if you want to see the neighborhood and the location. But we've seen 35 homes over the last 3 months and I you know, I know that there's some discouragement. Let's just let's pull back for for a week. Now, I say only a week because you don't want to miss out on a good opportunity. Um, but going back to what we just talked about, if that home is maybe priced a little bit higher, it's going to sit a little bit longer. We have that extra week to wait, right? Um, if it had gone within the week, maybe you would have been in the same situation where you got outbid again and again caused that discouragement and a little bit of that buyer fatigue. Um very, very, very short period of time that you can just pull back and not look because you just don't, again, you don't want to go stale. You as the buyer don't want to lose your motivation. Again, it goes back to sticking with that team. And yeah, I think too, you know, you could employ, employ that ability as the professional to, you know, hopefully you have a really good, as a buyer's broker, you have a really good understanding about what that buyer wants. And frankly, we don't have to show them everything. No. You know, there's going to be stuff that comes up that fits that criteria that very clearly isn't, isn't a horse to ride. No. And so it's like, how do I, as an agent broker, um, you know, scrub that thing a little bit instead of saying, okay, here are 10 properties. Feel free to delete whatever you want. It's like, Hey, here's three properties that I think you're really going to like. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and I think that's the challenge of the automation is kind of made us a little bit lazy in some aspects. It's like, okay, click, 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 click here. Boom. As opposed to like us really vetting what's coming on, how it's coming on, but also things move quick and people tend to buy things that maybe we don't think they might buy. So, you know, there's no real clear, but I like what you said about ha having some being able to discern really when it's time to take a break, when it's time to maybe, maybe choke, choke up the, um, flow of, of, of what's coming through the portals. Right. And, you know, you know, really tailoring how that goes. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with pulling back. You said something that, that stuck in my head and this is, you know, and other people in the room know, this is where I come from. And I think this is a key factor in as we're talking about with communication is truly getting your buyers, whether they be first time investors, first time home buyers, a transition is to have them completely understand where you're coming from as their realtor, right? I'll speak for me. 
I'm all in and I make sure that every single client understands that this is a journey that we, your team, and again, I keep going back to that team, we're going to take this together. I think there's a lot of perception out there in the world. You know, we've all heard, you know, comparisons to what realtors are like and all they care about and so on and so forth. I think specifically in these low inventory times, these buyer fatigue times, pandemic times, you really have to instill that you are not just a realtor looking to close a deal, but you are vested in these individuals, right? And if you have that communication early on and consistently, then when you have the conversation of, hey, there are 10 new listings that came on, I'm sending you three because I don't believe the other seven are worthwhile. I know you're going to probably see them, but I want you to know why I didn't send them to you. I want you to know, I think there's an issue here. I think there's, um, I don't, I think this could be a long-term problem. Here are the three I liked us to identify. And if you still want to look at the other four or one or two of them, then let's add it to it. But here's why it goes back to that, that true belief and feeling that Ryan, you have my best interest and you're not just looking for a sale right now mm-hmm. because it's January 6th and you haven't closed anything, mm-hmm. right? You have my best interest as you know what my base criteria is. You and my team knows what I can afford. You're not going to push me somewhere I shouldn't go. You're not going to try to get me into a house that doesn't have one of those base criterias for me, but we can get in and I can get a deal sold. Right. I think that that's missing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that's missing everywhere. There are... A, thousands and thousands of really good, caring, I'm all in it for you, realtor. I'm telling buyers that they should expect and demand that from anybody they work with. And I think that helps take away the fatigue. Good. Right? My friend Kevin Simmerman calls that commission breath. People can smell commission breath. Yeah. Yeah, it's the truth. Okay, I want to go off script just a little bit. Okay. So in times of shift, market shift, um, what people, you know, I think in general, people are reading the news, rates, inventory, recession, all this stuff. Let's talk about when the house is on fire, when the market is down and everybody's leaving, nobody wants to buy. You know, we're in a situation right now where it's hard to be a buyer. It's hard to be a seller. It's hard to be a broker. Right. Like we're seeing volume is way off. Buyer, buyer sentiment economic sentiment has shifted, right? Now, in my opinion, this is where the magic happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like when the water take when the ship takes uh, takes on water, the rats leave the ship. Absolutely. Right? So talk to me about 2023. Mm-hmm. Where is the opportunity? Because this is where it happens, right? Oh, it's everywhere. This is this yeah. is where people make money. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely everywhere. And I think we, we as realtors, um, we have to go out there and find different ways, unique ways um, for our sphere to get them the inf- information for possible, whether it be investment opportunities or um, maybe something they've been looking for. This may be a long-term conversation, but the opportunities to say, um, I used one this morning. I'm just, I'm going to bring it up. I was at a Black Butte Ranch showing a house and I was thinking about these clients that live near me. We ran into them at the park with their new dog, Rudder, right? What's up, Rudder? Rudder. Um, but that's what I mean. It's, it's having that personal relationship with individuals in your sphere to where I can then have the opportunity to do what I did this morning is I used video and I sent them a video 
tech. I couldn't get him on the phone. So I sent him a video text. You utilize this a lot with us in the office. And it's a way to, again, personalize yourself with said sphere, client, buyer, seller, et cetera. Um, but talk to them about those possibilities. This individual has a primary house she will never sell in Northwest Crossing. Um, but she's talked about purchasing investment opportunities. And, you know, my thought to her is let's get out there and start looking and doing our due diligence long term and get some supplemental income coming in. Maybe you get appreciation. I think that's the opportunity is reaching out to individuals and finding out from them what type of real estate transaction could possibly help them this year or in years going f- further. Whether that means they, they're looking for some tax break avoidance, they're looking for to park money on some land for some, some capital appreciation, um, or it's a primary residence, or it's an investment that's looking to have money trickle in. Those opportunities are out there. People may just not know that they're out there because they're listening to the, what you described, the media, the newspaper, the TV, telling them it's a horrible time to buy or rates are too high. There are so many different programs and so many different ways to utilize and offset mm. based upon your financials goes back to your team. Yeah. Let's get the CPA involved. Let's yeah. get your financial advisor involved. Do you need a loan? Let's get him involved too. And let's figure out how I've had three people this week out of the blue contact me in relation, different scenarios, obviously about things like that. They all have primary residences. One's a tax you know, break type question. Another one is like to have some supplemental income coming in. I think those are the advantages. Um, I'll transition real quick. My son, as you know, I just sent back to college, you know, he's a freshman this year. And I know you got one that just graduated as well. And, and so I'm always thinking about his future, my future. How does that translate going forward into investments? That's another, I obviously have a lot of individuals in the same um, age bracket as myself. So they have similar age children that are going through the similar things. Is anybody talking to them as a financial advisor, realtor? Hey, have you thought about this for the future? I think that that's a missing gap right now. I, I don't think people think of that. I think yeah. people think of, Hey, if I need a loan or if I need a credit card, I go to the bank. That's my bank. They, they support me financially. When I need to do my taxes, I go to my CPA, or if I have a significant amount of portfolio, I have a probably a financial advisor. And those are my two people that take care of me financially. I think there's a huge gap on specifically for buyers where they don't consider a realtor a financial asset or a resource versus a seven-year individual I might contact when I need to sell right, a house. Right. And I think that that's a huge gap in the industry. I think I think we as realtors need to do a really good job of just, you know, I think it goes down to ego. I think sometimes we're afraid to say, hey, I'm going to bring this idea up to Ryan, but what if he doesn't like it and he thinks I'm a fool for bringing it up? You got to get that out of your mindset. Yeah. And I think you set yourself up for that, again, to have that those conversations, those communications with your sphere and your buyers to where they know you're coming from a good place. Yeah. They know Chris is looking out for me to have a supplemental income or to be able to park money or X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So I think those are the real advantages. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Chris, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. This, Absolutely. What an awesome conversation. Your your positivity and your motivation that you share with all of us is it's awesome. And your insight into 
the creativity of this marketplace is second to none. Thank you. So Thank you for having me and love real. being here. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time on Navigating Real Estate. Listen, follow, drop us a review. Your feedback is means a lot. And if you like what you're hearing, please share it with your real estate community. 